a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, I'm Tom Luma. And I'm Jason Comstock. And welcome to We Happy Few, our podcast that allows veterans and their families to tell their stories. Stories that will cover a broad spectrum of lived experiences, from time in service to the return home and beyond. Experiences shared with the hope that all listeners will better understand the sometimes complicated lives of veterans and their families. Thank you for listening to We Happy Few. In this episode, we'll hear a story from Frank DeVito about the unexpected consequences of his commitment to service. I'm Frank DeVito, and I'm glad that uh, I'm here. And I want to share a story. Um, I want to not share my usual stories right because i've told them a lot and i don't want to share the the combat stuff as much as and the stresses that come from that the i don't want to say normal stresses but the more normal human stresses that the stuff that happened i have some story right so my grandmother was a very interesting she uh kind of a i don't want to say eccentric but she would you know she felt things she was a she was a colorful lady and uh I, should, I don't know if I should tell you the story, but so my grandma used to, she'd float in her pool. She had a pool in her apartment complex, our apartment complex. I lived with her uh, for a number of years and, and there was this pool. We used to call it, we used to call it the Mexican Melrose place because it was a Mexican neighborhood and, you know, you hear, you know, all the music all the time. And anyways, and then there was just this little apartment complex with a pool in the center in the middle of this neighborhood. Anyways, uh, she'd float in her, the pool and, She'd float there for hours, man. It was crazy. And hours. And we would kind of make fun of her a little bit and be like, you know, what are you doing, Grandma? And she'd say, you know, you could feel it. She could feel it. She could feel the power. She could feel the energy. And sometimes I think she was talking about the electrical energy of, like, the power lines and stuff, you know? Now it means all sorts of stuff to me. But, but you know, whatever she really <laughs> meant, she was pretty kooky, but... But uh, but I heard her. I believe her. <laughs> yeah, I still and I still do. When I joined the military, I had a great desire to serve. I just wanted to be of service, and I knew we were in the midst of a long, drawn out, two drawn out wars. And I would watch the news, and I'd catch these clips of these young guys out there, and uh, I felt very emotional about it. So I was very emotionally driven to sign up and enlist and 
and joined the military. And, and when I did, um, I had, you know, a lot of opportunity. They, I tested well, so could do anything I wanted. And uh, all I really wanted to do was serve. And so I made sure that was known. And, and um, so they sent me recruiters and the recruiters had their critical MOS lists. And I ended up choosing off of those because that's what they really needed guys to do. So uh, I signed up as an interrogator at the time I was an interrogator and it became the human intelligence. And I taught that later, but, uh, at maps, I caught it, got caught into administration, administrative assistant or something to that it was a, a pencil pusher. Right. But they wanted that guy and they needed that guy and they offered me a big old bonus to do it. So, so I said yes to that. I got both MOS. I signed up kind of knowing, you know, I was going to go to war, it's a, a given two major wars going on. That's why I was signing up is because we needed guys. And so I knew it would come. And um, I had some heart for the Afghanistan uh, war. I don't, I felt like that's, those were the, that's where the guys that hit us came from. And so it emotionally, it seemed, uh, I seemed to connect with it a little bit more, but I was ready to go to wherever I needed to be. When I got to my unit, when opportunities came up, I, I volunteered immediately for the first deployment that was up, and that was a, an Afghanistan deployment, and I, and I got on that. And um, my family was kind of worried, you know. You know, I was doing what I thought was right, what I knew, I knew was right. I still know it was right. You know, pretty soon I'm, you know, mobilizing and, and getting ready for training, and opportunities to do things quickly gets limited. And it was almost immediately after I... I got into my first training site. You couldn't, there was no more going out to see family. There's no more emergencies or anything like this. You can't, it was done. It was what it was. And almost immediately, one of my really close friends and a, a, a father figure in my life, a very good man, passed away. And a very dear, long, old friend of mine, you know, her father. And, and I, you know, I couldn't be there for them in that because I was in the midst of this other thing that was also very heavy, you know. And, uh, and that was, uh, you know, you had to. I had to make a. You have to make a decision in the moment of how you're going to do these things, and so these are the the challenges that you have to face in the midst of that. You know that you, ha you have to get through, and uh, and I I held on to that going forth. You know, I got an opportunity to you know fill out some paperwork at one point, and you know you'd think I'd take a cue, and I didn't take this cue. You know, I, I listing my people that. I can't remember how they word this in the documentation, but it was like the people that were your next of kin or your nearest persons, right? So in an event of an emergency, something happens with one of them, you can maybe go see them or whatever it is. And my grandmother was one of those people, and I, d I didn't put her down on my list. And, you know, and I called her and I was like, oh, man, I, I feel like I should go back and try to get this squared away. And she's like, no, you don't have to worry about that. I'm going to be here and everything's going to be fine. And I got to see you you know, before you did this and we spent some time and you're going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. You know? And she was very down to earth, very real about things. She's like, you know, you or I or anybody can, can go at any time anyways, you know, and it's just the way it is. And, you know, so I, I took that and got a little stoic and I carried it with that other sense that I had that, you know, I'm already missing these things, but this is, this is what I need to be focused on. And thank you, grandma. Cause I need to stay focused on this. And you're right. I don't need to be focused on, you know, the what ifs of you and anybody else. I got to just do the work and, and until the work either has had enough of me or I finish it or I die. Right. <laughs> so, you know, it's how it went. That was the decision I made in that. And we got down range and I remember we get off the, I get off the plane and it's super dark. It's so dark. And like the darkness wasn't like just 
visually dark. It was like, it felt dark, you know, and that's probably, you know, emotional, mental stuff. But I mean, there's so many other guys that felt it too. They're like, this is something dark here, man. There's darkness. And, uh, and I remember that the, the first day in the light, we're walking, I'm walking with my buddy, Josh and, uh, stuff's just blowing up, man. People are shooting off out at the fence and you can't do anything. Cause you're up, you're out on the, you're on the main base is, you know, it's not like everybody runs and reacts, you know, you want to though, cause you're like, where is this guy? Where's the bad guy coming from? And where, what are they blowing up and who are they shooting at? And I remember all those thoughts are going through your head. And my buddy looks at me, he goes, we're going to die here. And I looked at him. I was like, yeah, yeah, we, we probably are. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is it, man. But you know, we're admin guys. So if anything was going to happen to us, it was just going to fall in on the, through the rooftop, you know, or we're going to be, you know, assisting in a, someplace, you know, and it would be something like that. Right. Anyways, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't too long into the, the deployment. I think as I remember, it was like a few months, but you know, you got used to all of that stuff. So stuff blowing up, people shooting and it's just no big deal anymore. Now it happens and you're, man, you're the only reason why you're mad is because they're not opening the gym, you know, and you've got to go give accountability to somebody or, you know, cause there's something going on. Right. But, uh, I got a, I got a message one day, my mom, my grandmother got in a car accident. And I was like, oh, go figure, you know. So uh, so I I put in the paperwork to go. I wanted to go. I tried to go see if I could be with her. The doctor, when I talked to him, I talked to him over the phone. He said, you know, she's got, I give her 72 hours. If you can make it here, that'd be great. So I went, you know, to the colonel and I, I submitted to go. And he called me in to interview me, to talk to me. And it wasn't really like he was trying to question me to find out whether or not I could go. It was just him wanted to see me face to face when he told me, no, you can't because I can't let you go. And, you know, then I've got all these other guys that didn't put these people down and I got to let them go too, you know? And it's so, you know, I, I wanted to kick myself in the ass for it. I felt really like, dang, you know, did I do the wrong thing here? You know, now that I'm here and I'm, I'm doing this stuff, it's like, you know, there was times where like you really needed to be there and you knew, you knew that you were there for a valuable purpose and it felt like it. And then there's like these times where you're just like these periods of time where you're just like, what the am I doing here? Right. I think this is a great time to take a break and hear from the businesses that are making this podcast possible. If you support us and what we are doing, please support them. Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. It wasn't really very long, you know, after I got this news that I started getting sent out on these missions and I started flying all over the country and and seeing all the different AOs, you know, the different areas of operation and, and meeting up with our teams in their locations while they're doing their job and talking to them about what's happening at this place and that place. And, and it, you know, really quickly made me feel like, yeah, okay, I needed to be here. This is ex- exactly where I needed to be. And, you know, well, you know, it'd been nice to have seen and said goodbye to my grandmother. I never will be able to have done that. And so, you know, making the decision to think about what you're doing at the time and having something that feels important to do is, you know, is incredibly valuable. 
And, uh, and I don't, you know, I, it, it, maybe it was a little traumatic for me, but, and I don't, I've had other traumatic experiences, you know, combat firefights and having, you know, moments where you really realize like, Oh, sh- Oh crap. You know, I'm going to, this is it. This, this might be the moment I might be seeing you a little sooner than I intended, but I think you, you start to accept that life is like this life is uh life is a whole lot of remaining determined to do the thing that you know is right in the face of all of the loss that can come right down to your very life and well that's not a like big time hero combat story it, it, you know it's not the uh the stuff that i think i want to tell people it's the it's the little stuff that i think most everybody kind of experiences and can relate with and i think when you get down to just conviction and life and feeling you kind of you get a recognition of what is the right thing to do and then you do your best to be honest with everybody in your life about that and you have to just stick it out and you stick it out through all of it that comes and there's a whole host of things that come and i've dealt with a lot of stuff that's come afterwards you know wondering about you know did i do the right thing and and if i would have done things differently would things have turned out differently and you have all this stuff that comes and and you have guilt because you feel bad for you know this other guy you know or that it can be rough, and I've known, and I and I remember my grandmother. You know, we've we've done this. We've said what we what we need to say, and that is what life's about. We got to do our thing. You know, I think that. So what I'm trying to say is that in this experience, in these things, there's a there's a value that was had, and it's not always recognized, and I didn't always see it, and I don't always know it. You know, sometimes I go back though, and I'll like see pictures, or I'll be on a drive through the mountains, and I'll you know kind of. I'll, I'll be there again. And I'll remember these little things like how we changed this kid's life or this village's life or bringing beds to an orphanage. You know that those things were so potent and they have such great potential for potency in those people's lives. And that's why we we went, why I was there, right? And maybe to, to some point it's about avenging and all of that, but but there's like so much more beyond that. And that stuff is only good until until you get the bad guy. But when do you stop getting bad guys? There's never going to... I mean, we're doing this 20 years, and we don't stop getting bad guys. They just keep making more bad guys, right? So it's, it becomes less and less about that and more and more about the good things that we do or can do, as hard as that, that is sometimes. On a similar but different note, when, when, I was, when we were downrange... So I had this strong conviction about why I was there and what we were all doing there. And I tried to remind others, like, why well, you're here. And uh, I caught some people whom I was developing good relationships with, who I was deployed with. And I caught them in the midst of catching themselves up in some drama elsewhere. And I, think it was, I personally think that they were in a process of avoidance. They were trying to avoid that they were scared, that it was hard for them, that they were concerned because they're not confronting the enemy um, and they're hearing stories of guys coming back from pulling security and doing stuff, you know, and they're like, man, I'm not there doing that. And I, they don't know when and what is happening. I think that they were afraid. I think that they were dealing with it through avoidance. And in order to avoid the used, they were, they were acting out. Anyways, uh, when I come home, you know, a couple of years go by and occasionally I reach out and I'm like trying to keep up with people a little bit here and there on Facebook or whatever, you know, and and you drop the line and you say, hey, man, it's good to serve with you and happy birthday or whatever when the time comes around. But I had no idea what some of these guys were going through and uh, and they took their own lives. Uh, and, 
and it it hurts to see that uh more to me in some ways than like any of the other things that I've confronted. Like it's harder for me that than the combat was. And the combat was actually kind of the easiest, almost like the most, cause it's so exciting and it's like, so you survive this thing and you're like empowered and it's almost a great thing to go see combat. It's seeing, you know, people that you care about do these things that are, that aren't healthy and they think it's all right. You know, a little drinking when you're not supposed to be, a little screwing when you're not supposed to be, you know, like it's okay because it's just a vice. It's just a thing to get me by or whatever. But, and I don't know, I'm not, I can't talk to them to ask them, but, but I really think that a lot of that left a lot of shame and guilt feelings that compounded with their other trauma and caused them to just have a, what they thought was an irreparable situation and and that like to me that's like that's the hardest stuff that's the hardest stuff that you can face now because you can't do anything about that either but could you have right anyways but uh but i've been honored to serve and i've been very grateful to be able to uh know people that want to hear honestly what what i see what i experience what my perspective on things is and was and and uh i think that that's been very helpful to me and uh, I have a lot of love and respect for everybody and anybody that served and for all of the, the families who supported and uh, for those who lost and for those who can enjoy the people that come home. And uh, and it's a great honor, you, you know, and I don't want to say it's so unique, but but it's the it's the one I got. So it's as unique as I am. Right. It's those are the experiences I do have. So so I think about my grandma all the time. And I think I hear her saying things to me. Um, I have a, a good fortune of having a strong religion that really, really connects me to my ancestors and where we come from. And there's this strong sense of, of honoring who you are by honoring who they are and remembering them. And so I've been able to, I've had the good fortune of because of that, because of that faith and those beliefs, I've been able to draw close to her in spirit and remember her and, and know that I'm going to see her again and believe that I am sometimes I'm comforted by her. I feel her presence and I, I even can hear her, you know, sometimes I, I see her, you know, floating in her pool. Yeah. I, I, I think that she's pleased with what I did and the way I did it. I think she know, of course she, I'm sure she knows that how hard it gets at sometimes, you know, but the choice I make is to remember and remain convicted to my decisions and, and I deal with those repercussions and sometimes they're hard. Sometimes it's hard. It's emotional and it's challenging, but I chose to do the thing and I have to, I have no other choice but to choose to remain convicted to that because what else is there? I'm going to let somebody else tell me I should have been or done something, you know, screw that. You know, that isn't, that can't work. It can't work. It's so unhealthy. The idea of that alone is like, it makes me want to fight, you know? But anyways, I, uh, that's what I got. If you or any veteran you know is feeling self-destructive or suicidal, please don't hesitate to use the Veterans Crisis Line by either calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1, or by texting 838-255, or by visiting www.veteranscrisisline.net. This 24-7 confidential service is for all veterans, 
all service members, National Guard and Reserve, their family members, and their friends. Join us again for the next episode of We Happy Few. If you have comments about the show, please contact us via email at tips at loudmouthproject.com or on Twitter at loudmouthjason or loudmouthtom. Check out our website at www.loudmouthproject.com and navigate to the We Happy Few page. You can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and other places where you find interesting shows. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback and it helps us grow our audience. We would like to thank our producer and editor, Josh Tilton, and our creative director, Amy Donaldson, for adding the spit and polish to our show. Remember that the more we allow ourselves to listen, the more we allow ourselves to learn. I'm Tom Luma. And I'm Jason Comstock. And until next time, keep listening, keep learning, and stay engaged. We Happy Few is a production of the Loudmouth Project.